Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Merry Christmas, and in our family, we have so many wonderful traditions, and because you have honored us with your presence, we just want to make this a family time together. And I want to say how grateful I am for the challenge of faith that we gave our family as we were praying for people over the course of this Christmas season. Well, as your pastor, I wanted to challenge my own self. And so I've been praying not just about my neighbors as we delivered guava jam to them and gave them Christmas invitations, but I wanted to go a step further and truly take a bold step and ask the Lord. And I continue to ask the Lord, but it was about two weeks ago that the Lord told me to go to the San Pedro Hospital. And so I thought, well, I've read Christian kids' books, and so I called them, and they don't even have a kid's ward. And I thought, well, that can't be the Lord. But I just continued to sense a couple of weeks ago that the Lord wanted me on Christmas Day to go and take my own step of faith. Because let me tell you, to go, uh, to go and do an outreach on Christmas morning when you've got two services having come from three services, this was a step of faith for me. Well, thankfully, I contacted my assistant who contacted a friend who contacted a friend that they knew of someone in the hospital that I could go and visit. Well, this morning, I met them there at 8 o'clock. They brought me in, and I was able to go into this room. And it took all of about three minutes for the Lord to speak to me as to why I was in that hospital room this morning. She began to communicate, Well, Pastor, two weeks ago, I found myself in the hospital. It was the same time that the Lord had laid on my heart for me to go to San Pedro, and she was at another hospital, and the Lord had her move to San Pedro. Then in about five minutes, I began to connect with her story of loss. She had lost a lot in her family, and it was because of that loss that she found herself in the hospital, and it connected with my loss, and I was able to download to her my story and be able to tell her things that the Lord had already spoken to her. I gave her verses that God had already spoken to her about, which confirmed in her heart. And she looked at me, and she started to weep and cry, God sent you this morning. And I said, I've been praying for you for two weeks, and I didn't even know your name. And God brought me here to let you know, Emmanuel, God is with you. She started to bust out in tears, and she said, for the first time in five years since all of my loss, I feel free. And let me tell you, as your pastor, I don't ever want to challenge you beyond what I'm willing to do myself. And as we've been praying to take bold steps with people that are in our lives, I'm so thankful that God laid, think of how much he loves this woman. 
that he would allow her to be in this hospital, put her on my heart, I don't even know who she is, send me directly to her for a friend from a friend, and then I walk in, say Emmanuel, and she knows that's from the Lord. To God be the glory. Amen? Well, as a family... We study the Word of God, and we're going to do that on Christmas Day. And in my home, we always read Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2. And so, because we're family, we're going to turn to Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to also be in Isaiah, Chapter 9. So listen carefully. It's Luke, Chapter 2, and Isaiah, Chapter 9. Um, let me say uh, a special welcome. I very rarely do this, but Jeff and Juliana, we're so thankful to see you guys. Um, my whole family's in the back, and I know they would love to see you, so I'm just going to let you know. Pastor Jeff is from Coast Hills Church. So thankful that him and his wife are joining us. God bless you guys. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick it up there in verse 1. Luke's gospel, chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 1. And it came to pass... In those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, if you remember the scorn that Mary and Joseph were facing, that Joseph was wanting to quietly put Mary away. And he wanted to just simply say, hey, Mary, this is not what I intended. And let me tell you, they didn't look at going to Bethlehem as anything other than being rescued from God to get out of Nazareth. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Would you stop there for just a moment? Do you remember it was only just about, oh, maybe six or seven months ago in Joseph's story that an angel visited him? Joseph is no longer wanting to quietly put Mary away. Do you remember? Oh, Mary was found to be pregnant. And Joseph was like, Mary, I'm struggling with this whole thing, but no longer. He's out in the public with Mary. He's in Bethlehem with Mary. You see, he's got a calling from God. And his calling from God is to be the foster dad of the Son of God and to take care of Mary. Now, the Bible said, if you remembered from last week, that Joseph was a just man. He had a real relationship with God. And Joseph, despite the way that he felt, he chose obedience and he chose to do God's will for his life. I mean, after all, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, if you want to be in relationship with me, then obey my commandments. Now, you might say, wait a second. In order to be in relationship with God, I've got to do everything that he tells me to do? Let me tell you something about God. Anything that he asks you to do is in your best interest. Everything that he directs you in is for your greatest benefit. And each one of us in here have a calling. If you're a dad, 
You are called to raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord along with your wife. If you're a mom, you are called to nurture just as God has nurtured you. If you are a child, you are called to honor your father and your mother. Whatever position that God has placed you in, he has given us a job to do. And now nine months later, we see him publicly with Mary. And Joseph for us is not ashamed of what God has asked him to do. Joseph is doing it with all of his heart. What a great example for us to follow foster dad Joseph. Mary. Mary's with child. Now, if you remember, it was nine months ago, she was visited by an angel. And the old angel told her that she was highly favored because she was going to be holding the Christ child. She would have the Son of God in her womb. Now, just imagine an angel shows up and tells you, hey, you're going to be pregnant, but you've never known a man. You've never been in that kind of relationship before. No wonder Mary said, how can this be? She's struggling in faith. And God said to her, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And here we are nine months later. She's in Bethlehem. She's ready to deliver What God said and how God said it, it has come to pass. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there is nothing that you can't do. Even forgive Uncle Joe this Christmas. Oh, you know the uncle I'm speaking about. You see, no matter what it is that God has asked you to do, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just like Mary, you can do it. He wouldn't have said it if it shouldn't come to pass. Now in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I wanted you to take a look at this picture. Because I know at your home, all of you have a little stable with some hay, and you've got a beautiful little manger scene right next to your Christmas tree. But I would like to show you a little better picture of what a stable looked like in the first century world. There is no wood in Israel. It's hard to find wood in Israel. And so what they would do is they would have these natural caves. They would put all the sheep inside those caves, and they would cover the front of the cave with a gate. And there was only one way into that cave. This is more the picture of where Mary gave birth. And I need you to see this picture, and I need us to understand how mundane this moment actually was. I mean, after all, it's just Mary and Joseph. They're alone there in that stable as she gives birth. I mean, the town, Bethlehem, is filled with people. There's no place for them to even find a bed at an inn. But it just simply appears like no one cares. Now, it's no different than our world today. You see, as you were enjoying the festivities of Christmas Eve last night, do you know that there was a woman in the San Pedro Hospital who was going like this, giving birth? Do you know the pain that she was experiencing on Christmas Day? Trust me, this Christmas is only joyous because she's holding that child. It's my point. Do you know how many babies were born last night on Christmas Eve as you were just simply doing your life? 
That's exactly what was going on when Mary gave birth to Jesus. Just another teenage mom in the first century world giving birth there in a cave. She then laid him in a manger. And that blows my mind. The symbol and the sign of Christ's birth was an ordinary feeding trough for animals. There's no bassinet, nor did Mary have time to nest the cave. She couldn't just paint the nursery pink, or, oh, well, she wouldn't paint it pink. Well, maybe in today's world she might, but um, she painted it blue. She didn't have time to paint it blue. She knew that it was, a sun was coming, but she didn't have time to nest in the nursery. I remember there was a book called Raising Kids God's Way when our kids were younger. And I can only imagine that if we truly raised kids God's way, I mean the way that he raised Jesus, the Son of God, um, some of these principles would not be found. I mean, imagine what the first chapter would be if we were really raising kids God's way. The name of the first chapter would be, Give Birth in a Cave. That's raising kids God's way. Chapter two would be, When your child is born, wrap them in rags. This is what God saw fit, this humility for his son. And for God, this was quite a moment, as mundane as it may have appeared. Paul, he helps us understand the momentous understanding of this moment in Galatians chapter 4. You'll see it on the screen. But when the fullness of the time had come, this was the moment. This was the first century world. This is exactly when Jesus should have been born. Not at Torrance Memorial, there in a cave. And when that time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Look carefully. It's the purpose of Christmas to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. The point of Christmas, the point of the Son coming and being born is so that we could be born again. Amen? All right, all my kids, it's Christmas time. I want you to meet me up front. I've got a story just for you. Come on up. Everybody come up. We're going to meet over there, over the front. I'm going to come over there. Come on, you guys. Don't be afraid. I'm the pastor. Parents, if you've made them afraid of me, that's a problem. (laughs) Okay, come over here. I'm going to meet right over here in the center. You guys come on down. Merry Christmas, you guys. How many of you agree with me you should get an extra gift because you came to church? Uh, That's what I think. All right, why don't you guys have your seat. Have your seat for just a moment. Have your seat right here on the floor. There we go. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Now, this story is not in the Bible. It's a story that someone wrote, and it has a certain significance that I think you'll really understand. Would you stay with me? This story is called The Crippled Lamb. Once upon a time, there was a little lamb whose name was Josh. Can you guys say Josh? Josh wasn't born like the other lambs. Josh was born and his leg wasn't working. He was 
disabled. And so, Josh also looked different than the other lambs. He had spots all over him, but the other lambs didn't have any spots on him. He often wondered, as he watched all the other lambs play, why he was made so different. He would have to sit in the grass as they wandered and played. And Well, he got to know a very famous cow by the name of Abigail. Can you say Abigail? Abigail. Can you make a cow sound? Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, Abigail, because they spent so much time together, they would talk all the time. And Josh would tell Abigail how sad he was that he had spots and he was different and that his leg didn't work. And Abigail would say, Josh, you are very special to God. At night, they would sit and look at the stars, and Josh would continue to tell Abigail all the time, Abby, I don't know why I'm so different. I don't know why I can't run and play like all the other lambs. Well, one day, they ran out of grass, and they had to move, the shepherds had to move the sheep to another place where there was grass. But it was up over a huge mountain. And so... All of the other lambs were telling Josh, there is no way that you will be able to go, Josh. You can't walk up that mountain. You can't go to the grass. And besides, Josh, you look different than us. You're not like us. And Josh, he got so sad. So he went to the shepherd, and he was hoping that maybe the shepherd would help him. And the shepherd said to him, Josh, you can't go. You can't walk up that mountain. You're going to have to stay behind. Well, Josh, he was really sad, and he went to Abigail, his friend, as they watched all the sheep leave that area and go to a different area where there was grass. He looked at Abigail, and he said to Abigail, Abby, I'm just different, and I don't know why God has made me like this. Well, Abigail said, You need to trust God. You are very special. That night, they went back to the stables, and they ate some hay that was in the manger. Well, it was a late night. The sun was going down, and so Josh and Abigail, they nestled for the night. But Josh couldn't go to sleep. He just stayed up all night long because he was so sad that he wasn't able to go with all the other sheep, with everybody else. So he decided to count sheep to fall asleep. I added that to the story. Obviously, you didn't like it. Okay. So, all of a sudden, they hear some noise. And Abigail wakes up, and Josh wakes up. And there, when they wake up, there's a woman lying down in the hay, and there's a baby in the manger. The dad's not there, and the baby is pretty cold. There's nothing to wrap the baby with. So Josh, startled by this noise, he decided to walk over to the baby and saw how cold the baby was. Oh, the mother looked at the baby and said, This is the king. This is the king of kings, as she spoke to Josh. Josh realized something right at that moment. 
that maybe his wool, maybe his wool could keep the baby warm. So he decided to nestle up right next to the baby and keep the baby warm. Oh, the mother was so happy and brought the lamb nice and close to her and the baby. And then the dad walks in. The dad said to the mom, Mary, the only thing that I could find are these rags. Do you want to wrap baby Jesus in these rags? Mary looked at Joseph and said, Joseph, this lamb is keeping the baby warm. And she took the rags and put the rags around the baby Jesus. All of a sudden, Josh's shepherds showed up. And there they were, there in the manger. He couldn't believe it. And they began to tell Mary and Joseph that they saw all of these angels come in the field. And when they saw these angels, they told them exactly where to go. That they would find a baby in a manger and that he was the king of kings, and that he was the lord of lords. And when the shepherds looked, there was Josh, keeping the baby Jesus nice and warm. And one of the shepherds looked at Josh and said, Josh, it's a good thing you didn't go with us so that you could keep the baby warm. Josh all of a sudden realized that he had a purpose, that there was something special for him. So he went back to Abigail that night and they sat and they stared at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and Abigail looked at him and said, Josh, I told you, God has a special plan for you. What do you think about my story? Now you get to participate in the rest of my story. So you guys are going to be my lambs. Okay, let me hear some lamb sounds. Let me hear them. Okay, this side sounds really good. I don't hear any lamb sounds over here. Let me hear them. Lamb, lambs, lambs. Okay, good. Keep making noise. It makes it more real, okay? All right, so let's go. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to be a shepherd. Wait, I need another shepherd. Who would like to be a shepherd with me? Okay, you'll be a shepherd. You'll be a shepherd, and you're a shepherd. Stand up. Okay, we got three shepherds along with me. All right, there we go. Okay, so you guys, oh, you can be a shepherd. That's good. You can stand up and be a shepherd. Would you like to be a shepherd? Okay, so you, why don't you go over there and watch those sheep? You go ahead and go over there and watch those sheep. You right here, and why don't you watch those sheep? Okay, all right, sheep, let me hear you. Let me hear you. Perfect. Okay, here we go. Now, there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping over their watch of flock by nights. Perfect, perfect. Okay. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Okay, shepherds go, ah! Let me see, let me see. Okay, a little more. Ah! Okay, good. Okay, sheep, you go like this. Bah! Okay, like, ah, bah! Okay, great. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there will be born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. All sheep go, bah! Okay, a little bit happier. Perfect. Okay. 
And suddenly there there were a multitude of angels that shouted, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. All the shepherds go, Yay! Yay! All the sheep go, Bah! Bah! So do you know what the shepherds did? They went to Bethlehem and they saw Jesus in the manger. And the Bible says that when they saw him, listen carefully to what they did. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. All my sheep go, bah! Bah! All my shepherd go, praise the Lord! All right, so here's what we're going to do. You're still in the story. Everyone stand up. Everyone stand up. You're going to go, oh, sorry about that. You're going to go back to your seat, and as you're going, shout, praise the Lord. Okay, go ahead. Okay, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. Let's give our kids a hand clap. And the Bible says, in Luke chapter 1, verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. It's amazing to me that when the shepherds showed up, this ordinary manger became extraordinary. This mundane major became magnificent. It was a feeding bowl. But when Christ was in the center of that manger, it had significance. It's a lesson for all of us that whenever we make Christ the center of our lives, we become a sign. We become a signal of the magnificence of God. Our natural lives become supernatural. Our ordinary existence becomes extraordinary. And maybe this Christmas we purpose not simply to add a prayer at Christmas time, but we purpose not to allow him to be a part of our Christmas experience, but we purpose to make him the part, the center, and watch how God will transform our lives. I mean, kids, listen. Maybe this Christmas, as you make Christ the center, you do the dishes for your mom and dad. Maybe (laughs) all the parents... Okay, at Christmas, do not rebuke your children. Maybe you go the second mile and you clean your brother or your sister's room. You see, all of these things show that Jesus is the center of your life. And after this great momentous moment, Mary and Joseph, they go to the temple, and Jesus gets his name eight days later. The name the angels gave, his name is Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this, but each of our names have meaning. They're not just a title. It's what you think, as I prove it to you, when you see a person's name come up on your iPhone. Do I answer or not? Do you smile when you see that name, or do you cringe? Am I proving my point? Names are not just titles. They have meanings. In fact, we spend a lifetime 
defining our names to others. It's called our testimony. With every decision that we make, it impacts the way other people think of us. Now, you might say, I don't care what people think of me. Jesus did. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, the Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and men. Jesus cared about his testimony. He cared about what people thought of him. His name meant something. You see, his name was defined over 600 years, by, uh, years before his birth by his father. 600 years, over 600 years, his father had already given him his name. It was defined for him in Isaiah chapter 9. Now, don't think that's strange. My dad did the same thing. Before I was born, my dad had the name Chet Arthur Lowe. That was when my mom and dad made the decision, and they wanted to name me Arthur because that's my grandfather's name. And my grandfather was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was a hardworking man. And when my parents named me, they wanted me to live up to the name that they had given me. In the same way, Jesus was given a name. And God knew that he would live up to this name. And so well did he know that Jesus would live up to his name, he defined that name. It's Isaiah chapter 9. Would you turn there with me? Isaiah chapter 9, as we take a look at this text. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He was born a man because he had to die. He was going to die for our sin, but the Bible says, unto us a son is given. He was not just man, he was 100% God. And he lived the sinless life in the power of God. To set an example for us, but to, to pay the price that we could not pay. He lived the sinless life as the son of God, as the son that was given, and he died as a man, but as God, he rose from the grave three days later. And God defines his son's name, that the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. He is wonderful. His birth was wonderful. Which of you had angels show up at San Pedro Hospital when you were born? How wonderful is that? His life is wonderful. From walking on water to feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, he lived up to his name. His death was wonderful. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection was wonderful. He rose from the grave three days later. His name shall be called Wonderful. His name, his name shall be called Counselor, because he is the Counselor. Do you notice something about God? He's never given bad advice, and he's never made a wrong decision. He has never led anyone towards anything other than the right way. He defines right. He knows what right is. Now, we might think that he's wrong, but we're really just disagreeing. We just don't agree with his direction. But he will be faithful. And if you look back on your life and you make decisions that are God-honoring, you will look back and say, look how marvelous God is. He always led me in the right way. I mean, after all, he refers to himself as the way 
the truth, and the life. He never gives bad counsel. He always gives perfect counsel. He will never lead you astray. He is the counselor. His name shall be called the mighty God. Not only, not only does he provide right counsel, but he can give you the power to do what he's asking you to do. Do you remember what he told Mary? Nothing's impossible with me. Mary was shocked. How in the world am I going to do this? How can I forgive this person? How can I go the second mile? How can I turn the other cheek? He says, I'm the mighty God. I conquered death to prove how mighty I am. And what I'm asking you to do, I can give you the power to do because whatever I say is to be done, I can do it. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. Now, I need to help you understand something. Here at Calvary Chapel, South Bay, we believe in the triune Godhead. We believe in the person of the Father, the person of the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Three distinct, yet one. So when the Bible is saying here that he is the everlasting Father, he's, the, the, the word is not communicating that he's actually the Father, and the Father is actually the Son. No, they are three distinct, yet they are one. We believe in the Trinity, three in one. So then what is the word saying? If it's saying and defining him as the everlasting Father, well, I need to give you the literal translation, and it will make complete sense. He's the Father of forever. When the Bible says the father of it means the source, like Jesus calls the devil the father of lies. He's the source of lies. And what the Bible is communicating is that he is the father. He's the source of eternity. That's why he said, before Abraham, I am. And because he alone is eternal, he alone can give eternal life. But he is called, his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. There's a new term that's out there. It comes up on my iWatch about three times a day. My iWatch says to me, it's time to be mindful. What do I want to be mindful of? I mean, what does that term actually mean? I mean, what do I want to be thinking of? So I thought to myself, it must be a new word. So I went into the new modern dictionary to find out what does mindfulness mean? I mean, my phone keeps telling, my watch keeps telling me I need to be it. So I want to wonder what in the world am I supposed to be? Let me give you the definition according to the New World Dictionary. Mindfulness is maintaining. Now, I almost want us to hold our fingers like this and go, Rami, 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 as I read it. No, don't. I'll read it with that kind of voice. Maintaining a moment-by-moment awareness of our thoughts, feelings, bodily sensations, and surrounding environment through a gentle, nurturing lens. It's time to be mindful. How? And then your two-year-old falls out of the crib and starts crying. And then you're driving down the 405 and someone cuts you off. And then you hear an ambulance siren go by in your neighborhood. I mean, imagine the chaos that exists in our world. And every single time my phone, my iWatch tells me to be mindful, a catastrophe is right around the corner. In fact, 
the last thing that I want to do is live in my thoughts. I don't want to live up here. It's frustrating enough that I have to deal with me. I don't want to live up there in my mind. If I start thinking of myself too much, I get depressed. I start thinking about all the things that I'm not, all the things I've left to do. I'm 50 years old. A midlife crisis begins to hit me. i got to get out of my brain. How in the world can I find peace? His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. He's the governor of peace. He's the ruler of peace. He's the manager of peace. And in John's gospel, he said this, peace I give you. And the kind of peace that God gives, oh, no, no, the kind of peace that God gives, it surpasses understanding. And trust me, it has nothing to do with mindfulness. In fact, he tells us how to be at perfect peace. It's Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because... Because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Do you know how uncomfortable it is to make a mistake in front of hundreds of people? All of a sudden, I've lost my peace. I've made a mistake. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I can't believe that I spelled because, because. Or because, because. Whatever it is. And then all of a sudden... I put that scripture into practice. And I begin to think of Jesus. And I begin to think that he died for my mistakes. He died because I'm imperfect. And he's the only perfect one. And I move from my mistake to a place of peace. I use everything for a sermon illustration. I have a question for you. How many of you this Christmas made some mistakes? Raise your hand. Like on your way to church, you made one. (laughs) God bless you, brother. How many of you have been a little frustrated waiting in line? How many of you, when you went to order the perfect Christmas gift and you went to press send, up came out of stock? It's so easy in our world, no matter how mindful we are, to lose our peace. It's so easy in our world to focus on our mistakes. And what Isaiah is telling us, get your mind off yourself and get your mind onto Jesus and he will give you perfect peace. Would you pray with me? Our Father, what a blessed time it is to be together. I'm so thankful that you've given us today. A day that we can celebrate that Christ the Lord is born. 
today. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you have opened up the door of salvation. A son is given. He who would live a perfect life and die our death. To raise again on the third day to give us life. To God be the glory for Christmas Day. In Jesus' name. Today celebrates a birth, the birth of a son. And I believe that one of the reasons that God came as a man was to start a new era, an age of grace. No longer would the Jew have to go and sacrifice an animal. God would provide the sacrificial lamb. His name is Jesus. And I believe it's such an example for us because he was speaking to one man. His name was Nicodemus. And he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There must be a new era in your life where you pass from darkness to light so that you can really know peace. You see, it doesn't matter how many gifts you get. Kids will always want one more. It doesn't matter that you bought the thing. There will be something that you missed that goes with it. It's the nature of humanity. Nothing satisfies. It's why next year there will be a new thing that you have to buy for Christmas. The old thing has passed away. The only thing that satisfies the longing within our hearts is Jesus. He is called the Prince of Peace. He's called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He provides eternality. I need to break something to you. Every single one of us in the room have an eternity ahead of us. And every single one of us in this room, 10 out of 10 of us, will take our last breath. The question becomes, where will you spend your eternity. Now, maybe for you it's not a first-time decision. Maybe like Mary and Joseph, you remember last night. They went to the festival. They had so much joy with Jesus. But at 12 years old, they forsook him. They left him. They lost Jesus. Now, if you're the foster dad of the Son of God, think how you're feeling. But after three days, imagine the moment when Mary and Joseph saw the face of their child in that temple. Imagine the peace when they finally got back to the presence of God. You're a believer. You don't even realize why you've not had peace. It's because you've neglected Emmanuel, God with you. But he's not neglected you. That's why you're here. He will always pursue. The beauty of our free will is that we get to choose. Do we want God or not? And the beauty of God is that because he's given us free will, he will pursue us until our last breath. That's why we say he unconditionally loves And so in just a moment, 
I'm going to give you an opportunity just like in our last service for you to come forward and for you to put Jesus as the center of your life and watch your life go from ordinary to extraordinary, from mundane to magnificent. When you put Jesus as the center of your life, I promise you, things will change. So as the Spirit is moving in your heart, even as I'm speaking, I need to let you know, that's not the tamales. He's the Spirit. And that thing that you feel, He's been doing for 2,000 years trying to get people's attention. And He's moving in you right now. And if you brought your friend, this is a time where you lean over and you do like what I did at the hospital this morning and you say, hey, this is why I brought you. I'll go forward with you. I want you to know Jesus. So as Gannon begins to play this song, if today you need to make things right with God, you come forward on Christmas Day and let this be a new era of being born again. A second chance beginning again today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.